Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. This is Phil Town. I'm here with my daughter, Danielle Town, who is an attorney in Boulder, Colorado, um, who works in a specialty of law called emerging corporation law, which is kind of about starting up companies and, uh, and figuring out how to spread investment and ownership of companies. And as a result, she's gotten more and more interested in investing as time goes along and in what Rule One's doing. So we thought we'd uh, kind of bring her into the conversation here. So hi. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to talk about today? I would like to talk about enlightened investing, enlightened which I think, investing. I think is what rule one investing really is talking about. And maybe we can, you know, delve more deeply into that as we go along. But today I'd like to start the first in a series of four podcasts about the principles for choosing a company to invest in. All right, cool. So first of all, we have this video from, or it's on YouTube, this video from Charlie Munger that I'm going to play for you guys which is about a minute long, and he goes really quickly through these four principles of picking a company to invest in. Yeah, by the way, get ready to listen real carefully because this, this, is, this is real fast, and it's really compact. Yeah, and maybe before I start it, who's Charlie Munger? Oh, well, Charlie Munger is the executive chairman or, or vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. He's about 90 years old. Is he really? Yeah. <laughs> He's just brilliant. Just... Uh, this discussion that he has, he's having with BBC in 2012. Um, Charlie runs his own fund and has compounded money at over 20% a year for about 50, 60 years. He runs his own fund separate from Berkshire? Separate from Berkshire. Okay. And I've heard people who know both he and Warren Buffett actually think maybe Charlie's the smarter of the two, if that's even possible to imagine. Hmm. And Warren credits Charlie with basically teaching him the investment strategies that he uses at Berkshire and has been using since the 1960s, which came when Munger said, look, it's really better, Warren, to be buying a really wonderful company at a fair price than to buy a really fair company at a wonderful price. Hmm. It's just long term, you're going to be better off. And they've applied that, you know, obviously they tried, what Charlie means by a fair price is, you know, remains to be seen. But They've applied that philosophy for a long time, and that's really just basic to Buffett investing. So he and Charlie are really good friends. They host the uh, Berkshire Conference every year together in Omaha, and they bounce investing ideas off of each other. Um, so with that introduction, All right. let's hear from, uh, let's play it. Yep, from Charlie Munger at the BBC 2012. We have to deal with things that we're capable of understanding. And then... Once we're over that filter, we have to have a business with some intrinsic characteristics that give it a durable competitive advantage. And then, of course, we would vastly prefer a management in place with a lot of integrity and talent. And finally, no matter how wonderful it is, it's not worth an infinite price. 
So we have to have a price that makes sense and gives a margin of safety considering the natural vicissitudes of life. That's a very simple set of ideas. And the reason that our ideas have not spread faster is they're too simple. The professional classes can't justify their existence if that's all I have to say. I mean, it's all so, so that's it. Yeah, that's kind of... So he gives those four principles very quickly. Yeah. Almost like so quick you miss it. Yeah. So, let, so can, let's we, cover can we delve quick. into... Oh, you want to talk about all four? Well, let's just, yeah, let's just tap on each one, make sure okay. everybody's got the basic okay. four. So Charlie's saying, first, you've got to have a business you understand. And once it passes that filter, in other words, you don't go to the next three stages. Hmm. First, you have to understand. So they're it. in a specific order. Yeah. Okay. There. Well, the first one is critical. Has to be first, which is you understand the business, mm -hmm. and then the the next piece is critical, which is it has to have some sort of business characteristics, intrinsic characteristics to the business that make it durable, durably competitive. Then we'd like to have good management. So number one is understand it. Number two is give it a moat. It's got to be a durable competitive advantage we call moat. Third is we want good guys running it if we can. So that one's, that one's not re absolutely required, but we'd like it. Hmm. And I, Warren Buffett once said that we really look at such the intrinsic characteristics of the business because we want a business that's so simple an idiot could run it because someday an idiot might. Fair so, enough. Fair enough. And then, of course, the last one is a margin of safety. You want to buy it at a cheap price. So those are the main four. Okay. All right. So the first one, you just recapped as understanding the business. But what he actually said is that you have to be capable of understanding the business. Ah, good catch. Are those things different? Yeah. Um, one precedes the other. Sure. So you can't understand it <laughs> without being capable of understanding it. But <laughs> do you have to actually then understand it? I would expect that you would. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just that you have to be capable of it. Um, you also have to actually do it. And that opens up a whole can of worms. Yeah. You want to get into that? Yeah. All right. So well, let's say it's like some, you know, knowing nothing about any companies on the stock market. Let's say I find some, like, I don't know copper company out there i know nothing about copper i assume i'm capable of understanding the copper business i mean i'm relatively intelligent i could read some stuff about it how do i know if it's even worth my time i mean honestly that's what i think about like my time is super valuable how before i even start before i even commit to like looking into an industry or looking into a company how do I know if I should do that? Well, uh, man, that's a really good question, Danielle. I, I'm thinking that the way I go about it is that I'm not going to be looking at copper companies unless I have they've already jumped over a couple of hurdles that Charlie didn't mention. Oh, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> just when things were so simple oh, the secret 15 minutes a day just became a yeah. couple of hours well and just now that we've got this thing all set up so first you have to understand it and the last thing you look at is the margin of safety 
I'm going to flip it on its head. Okay, fair enough. And I'm going to say that I'm not going to bother digging into this hypothetical copper company unless I all, I think it's already on sale. There's a good likelihood that it's on sale. And if I don't know anything about these companies, why would I think it's on sale? Right. And and the, the the reason I might think it's on sale is one of two really huge things. The first one is that, oh, it's on the front page of the paper that copper is sucking it. <laughs> okay? But copper is terrible. Or oil. Mm-hmm. Or retail stores. Or, right? It's But it's front page or news. Blackberry. Or Blackberry is horrible. <laughs> So it's front page news. We call that an event. Okay. Okay, so there's an event, and that event is scary from an investor's point of view because it's sending this industry tumbling down this cliff in terms of the prices of these companies. So when I, if, I, if I'm reading the news, that may what may be what have, has sent me over to look at copper. So it sounds like you're not starting from an what seems like an infinite world of possibilities, a.k.a. the thousands of companies that are on the stock I'm market. just throwing a dart. Right, because that's how it feels. Right, you know, I can starting see that. Out. Oh, yeah, I guess it would kind of, right? Completely. All right, so let's, let's say that, that we don't have anything on the front page of the paper today. There's no copper up there. Why would I have started with copper? Okay, the other possibility is that I've watched a couple of key investors, a handful of key investors, and I see that one of them who I really admire, let's say it's Charlie Munger, mm-hmm. is buying a copper company like Freeport McMoran. So he's he is just climbing all into Freeport McMoran. And the price Is that happening right now? Actually Freeport's probably on sale big time. Oh, I completely picked copper out of the air. Yeah. I know nothing. Oh no, they're having they're having all kinds of problems in Indonesia, and you got gold going through the toilet, and you got copper down because China's not building out of infrastructure. You actually just hit on an area that might be a place to look. Okay. Because there's an event going on, and because some really good investors might be moving into these specific companies. So this is my this is a trigger point. One of these two things: either there's an event, and I start looking on my own, or I notice a great investor is starting to hit it. So it sounds like before there's kind of a preceptor to the four principles, which is read the news. Oh man, is that, is is that there too ever? Simple? No, that's that may be a little too simple, but it's not too simple. It is really important to to know that good investing, the way we do it, requires you read. You got to read, and since it's easier to read than it is to dig ditches for a second job, then, you know, <laughs> this is something most investors are willing to do. That almost sounds to me like, um, it sounds like practice. It sounds like like in yoga, you know, you practice your yoga. You don't just go do your yoga. Like every day is a practice that you're just, you're just sort of playing at it a little bit. And that kind of sounds like the same thing to me. I don't know if I'm too far off on this one, but it, to, to me, like when I think about, okay, every day I have to keep up on what's happening in the world of business um, and in the world generally, it just sounds like a habit to get into. Yeah, and I think it is. kind of treating it like, like a practice. I think it is. I think there's some things that I read every day. Mm-hmm. I read the New York Times every day. I'm, I'm not the whole thing, right? Just specific pieces of it. Mm-hmm. 
I read the Wall Street Journal every day. I read Barron's as it comes out, Forbes, Fortune. And I don't know anybody that's good at this that doesn't do that. It just kind of keeps you at the forefront of kind of what's going on a little bit. But let me really make this point that the kind of investing we do doesn't just happen in a day or so. Mm -hmm, right. Like the right. copper problem's been going on for like months and months and months. So you don't have to be like, oh, you know, that day trader level of involvement here. You just kind of kind of got to stay up on things and kind of know, know what's going on in the world a little bit. But we don't judge these investments by, you know, kind of what's going on in the world literally. Like it, it's, it's just that I need... I need to know that that thing is a possibility where it could be on sale. And that's enough for me to start delving into it if it's an area that's in within what I would call my canyon. You need to know the macro view of what's happening. Yeah, I would say in, investors like Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, Monash Pabrai, these guys are pretty well informed. Okay. Right. Um, what newspapers do you read every day? If you don't mind the Sarah, the Sarah Palin question, okay, what well, newspapers the, do you read yeah. every day? <laughs> okay, so I just it's New York Times, mm -hmm. Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. Those things are just part of my routine. Um, and I like the Financial Times, but I don't read it every, every day. Mm, but that gives me a little bit broader international view. Yeah. I read The Guardian and the BBC a lot because oh. I find they're much more internationally focused. Yeah. Those are both very good. Yeah. Um, then weekly, Barron's, hmm. which is wonderful for investors and part of the Wall Street Journal family. Um, what makes the Wall Street Journal and Barron's different is the Wall Street Journal is very newsy. They get a lot of news about a lot of things, right? Barron's is all about investing. So it's looking for opportunities here from the point of view of my kind of investing, which is, you know, I want it on sale. So Barron's is presenting opportunities out there from writers that they have on staff. And, um, and those can just kind of trigger an interest and I can start diving in. So the article might have been, hey, copper is going on sale. You know, go take a look at these five companies. So New York um, Times, Wall Street Journal, Barron's Weekly, mm -hmm. Financial Times every now and then. And Well, I, I read it you Pretty know, regularly. every other day or so. Okay. And then The Economist. Sure. When that yeah. comes out, which again, international view. Um, and then the websites. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's some great websites. <laughs> some zero really good at looking at what other hedge fund managers like me are saying about their portfolios. Um, I look at guru focus to see what kinds of companies are being bought by guys that I really like. Um, I look at Motley Fool sometimes because I'll see an article on a company that's at Motley Fool. And I really use Seeking Alpha a lot. Um, and these things have become at least as important, or if not more important, than the, than the news. Um, because this, like, and yeah, I, and, I, and I use our own website, Rule One Investing, to, which really kind of compiles a lot of data that's out there into a format that says, um, you know, this has a big moat, this company. It's well run. Here's what the margin of safety looks like. So we, we definitely take that point of view into the, our website and just kind of spit that data out, which mm -hmm. saves a lot of time of digging around. But I, I, I take your point that it's helpful to read a lot of different sources. 
because you're ultimately having to make your own decision about what to do. Yeah, and, it's, a, it's a reading kind of a thing, yeah. you know? It really is. Um, and there's because, just kind of that habit of being in regularly mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. even, like, get to the point where then... And that's what makes you capable to understand these various companies, right? Right. You have to have some... You, you get a bigger picture. Yeah. And then when you start digging into the companies, you start some very specific reading. So the analysis on Seeking Alpha on that specific company, the 10Ks, which are the annual reports that that company puts out that spell out all of the risks and all of the way the company works and what its competitors look like and all that. And those are available on the SEC's Edgar website. They are, but good luck digging in there. Oh, it's so easy. I use it all the time at work. Oh my gosh, this is why you're so much more adept no, at this. No, not at all. Google SEC Edgar, it comes up, you type in the, um, the code for the company and... Ah, it all comes up, and you can filter it. You can write the symbol, and you can filter it um, for each kind of report. It's pretty I, easy. I've never been able to figure it out. No. Is it really that simple? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I get so confused over there. <laughs> so what, that's why I put all those links to the SEC on my website. So oh, I'm, well, find it. I'm just going to start using your website. <laughs> so you go over and you go click SEC, and up comes everything you okay. know, that you've got. So that's the annual report. And then the 10 Qs are the quarterly report. And those I don't read so much. I, I read them. But what I'm really looking for on a quarterly basis is the transcription of the CEO's discussion about the quarter with oh. all of the analysts from guys like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, all these really super smart people trying to build their reputation and become fund managers and all that. And this is the stepping stone. So they are very good at asking questions I might not have thought of. And that's all in the transcripts, which you can get right off of Seeking Alpha. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Those are cool. Yeah. So the reading's really pretty key. In fact, yeah. most of the guys I know that do this professionally have a kind of reading room. Like Melissa set my office up so I've got a place there to read. It's really comfortable. When the door's closed, I'm not going to be disturbed. The phones are off. It's, it's not, work time. Yeah. It's work time. Monash Prabhai cracks me up because he basically talks about, you know, his work effort is sort of laziness bordering on sloth. He, gets, he, said, I, he said, I can't who, believe who this is, is a job. Who's, Monash? Who is that? Oh, he runs a lot of money, like almost a billion dollars. And he's a brilliant investor in the Rule 1 style. Okay. Right? Um, trying to buy $10 bills for $5. That's what we do. <laughs> and um, mostly it's just reading and you just are patient. And, um, and Monash gets up. He says, I get up at about 10 o'clock. Now, check this out. This is for a guy that lives in Newport Beach, California, Irvine, California, which is three hours behind the East Coast, which means when he gets up at 10 o'clock, over half a day of Wall Street is over. Yeah. It's 1 o'clock on, on, on Wall Street. So I'm he gonna, really doesn't care what happens day to day then. He's fine with checking it out after the market closes. Yeah, or else you would never have that schedule. And I don't think he even checks it. Uh -huh. I think he gets up. Lazes around the house, irritates his wife, who he says... Kind of mean to him. No, I mean, he says this. He said this. Here, he, I didn't get this directly. I got this out You're of his book. You're not making this up? No, it's in, it's in his great book, which is called Dondo. You're not defaming him right now? <laughs> all right. Go read his book. It's awesome. But he said, basically, he irritates his wife from being home all the time. She says, why don't you go get a real job, you know, and get out of my, get out from under my feet. And then he goes and plays some golf. Sure. And he's one of the best Why guys not? in the country. I mean, his rate of return, before he takes his 25% split, he's knocking out about 
34% for the last 12 years. So that's totally insane. Which is awesome, right? Yeah. And, and what he does is he reads a lot and he thinks, right? And the beauty of kind of what we're doing is we're realizing that we can copy Monash after he does all this reading and all this thinking. If he's going into copper, I'm going to know about it. Yeah, okay, so like that's a good place to get ideas of companies to right. look at. Right. I don't really want to just copy somebody just because they've done really well historically. That well, makes be, me feel kind of nervous. Well, it'd be, it'd be the right guy up. to start with, but you're right. You wouldn't want to just copy them. Let me tell you why. Okay. Monash is not going to call you up and say, I am now getting out. Right. And you're not going to find out that he got out for as much as 90 days. Mm -hmm. Long after whatever disaster. Because every 90 days he has to file quarterly reports with the SEC. Right. So then we'll know. So there could be some disaster on the horizon that he sees because he understands the business and he's, you know, right? But you don't see it because you just copied him. And so he's out. Three months later, you find out about it, but by then it's too late. So that's a bad thing. You, you don't want to be investing in things because a guy invested in them that you, you really like. What you have to do is use it as an incredible opportunity, like as if he called you up and said, hey, Danielle, three months ago I bought this car park company and I paid $100 a share. And you might notice it's selling for $90 a share right now. And, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, so it would be helpful. It would be very helpful, but it doesn't mean you should go buy it. Right. That's kind of yeah. I don't. I don't want to just copy somebody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, to me, the point here is practice, do your reading, understand what's happening in the world, and make your own decisions about what to do. Don't just copy somebody who has done well historically. I like right? this I mean, notion I, that I it's get a that, practice. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's an important, um, it's different than work, you know, a practice. Um, I don't like to work, and neither do you. And neither does anybody, right? We, right. Like, we all want to do something we enjoy. Right. Work is work. Work is yeah. work. Yeah. It has a, a slightly negative connotation yeah. of something maybe you don't totally love. And um, whereas, and, whereas if you're practicing kind of something, yeah, thing. like like doctors have a practice. You know, lawyers have a practice oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're constantly getting better at it and you're constantly doing it so that you can get better at it. It's, oh, really it's a like continuous, that. it becomes a habit almost. I'm going to have a practice from now on. Yeah. I like it a lot. <laughs> my my hedge fund will be a practice, and and the separately managed accounts will be a practice. But I think it is, and you know, and some days some days are better than others. Some days you feel accomplished. Some days you don't. Like, but and that's all part of it. It's all part of learning as you go along. Um, and that's a, I think that's a really good definition for that. Kind of puts us in the right mindset 
for this very important first leg of investing of this sort of four-legged table. Yeah, right. Sure. And you you've got to have this practice going on on a on an ongoing for the rest of your life practice. When you start out with this first one, when you're thinking about whether or not it's a company that you're capable of understanding, are you wrong ever? Oh, mostly. <laughs> yeah, I hate to break the news, so, but your daddy is mostly un- incapable of understanding. Somehow that was yeah. not news to me, but I enjoyed hearing you say it. <laughs> um, so the question is then, how much time do you spend on an industry or a company before you realize, uh, this isn't going anywhere, I'm dropping out of it? As little as possible is the right answer. And well, what it turns out to easy, be in practice, easily said. easily said, in practice, it's um, it's a stage. You go through a series of stages. So, um, oh man, Charlie Munger's buying this copper company. Okay, don't know anything about copper. So now I'm going to go and read an analysis about it, or I'm going to go read, read the 10K. That's usually a good starting point. Okay, I'm going to go read the 10K. Reading the 10K is pretty fast. I mean, it's not a novel, right? It's 30 pages or something. It's and, dense, though, to be fair. Very yeah. dense. Yeah, but think about it like this. If it's so dense on first reading... Maybe that's a sign it's I'm a, not capable of understanding. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Right there. Okay, so right. if somebody comes out and says, oh, here's uh, this microchip company, you know, two pages in, I'm lost because I don't understand the terminology. I don't understand anything about it. Um, and it doesn't feel re- like it's something I want to spend a lot of time with. Hmm. It's not a passion of mine. I'm not talented in it. I don't so spend money on it. you're paying attention to your own level of interest? Oh, yeah. That's important. I'm paying attention to the things I'm passionate about in the world, the things I'm pretty good at, the things I would do as a hobby. Um, See, that's really interesting to, to me money. because I think – I think uh, there's not a lot of emphasis, maybe there's no emphasis on liking the companies that you invest in. Oh, I think this is really important. So let me let me just kind of take this one step further. Okay. I want to, in a kind of non-married way, like I don't want to be married to these companies because I might want to get out of there. Mm-hmm. But I want to love them. I want to feel like this company deserves to be in your world after I'm gone. I, I want to make part of my legacy the supporting of companies, even, even in the most minor way, right? But, but my money's going in there into a company that I think is going to be great in the world in 20 years. From, from the point of view of its products, from the point of view of the way the company functions in the world, um, you know, there's a lot of pieces we're going to talk yeah. about over time, over the That's next super, Right, yeah, we should we should even like devote a whole podcast yeah, to, that. to that. But let's I think what you're saying here is that that passion about it helps you to understand it. Oh my gosh, it helps me connect to it. And in fact, we, we encourage people to do what um, what is called a three circles exercise, which you basically, and I've had you do this as a kid. Is this the Venn Do you remember this? Yeah. Like to find your way to your law career. <laughs> I mean, I know you're rolling your eyes right now. I know. But I did make you do this. And I said, okay, list your passions, what you love to do, what you do for free if you're super rich and you, know, you could do anything you wanted in your world. And then list all the things that you're actually really good at, which can be very different, right? Sure. Like I might want to be 
I might love to be a quarterback because I'm, you know, played in high school or something. Doesn't mean that I'm talented at it enough to make it a career, right? Mm -hmm. So, but list your talents and then list where you spend and make your money. So like right now, you know, you're pretty passionate about a lot of different things. You're passionate about helping people get their company started and doing it right. And you're really talented at it. You're one of the best attorneys in that field as a specialty. And you're making money in it. That's where you have your career. So, I mean, that would be a, you know, so that kind of thing would be a place for you to kind of start looking, that kind of Venn diagram where what's the intersection there and start looking for companies in that area. Um, for me, when I first started out, it was about sort of guns and Harley Davidson motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the things I was interested in. And, and that, that makes the research interesting because you already know something about it. Okay. So I feel like that um, implies that people will choose a lot of consumer-facing companies because we're all consumers and that's easy. You could do a lot worse than choosing a lot of consumer-facing companies. In fact, I mean, I was just thinking about Buffett's portfolio, okay? Washington Post. So that's kind of consumer stuff, right? Um, American Express, credit cards, um, the Omaha Furniture Company, a diamond company. Di- like like diamond rings, retail diamond company, um, Disney, um, ABC television. So those are all consumer. Yeah, facing. yeah, and you you can keep kind of going down the list. List is long uh, of companies that he's invested in that are consumer related. Geico Insurance. Yeah, you can do much worse than focusing just on things you know already. Okay, okay. So you can get ideas starting there, starting from what investors who you respect are already investing in. Yeah, and let's say you had a passion amongst those. Right. So you had a list of say twenty good investors. And you could see that they had twenty good investors, we're talking easily two hundred stocks. So there's a lot of stocks there. Mm -hmm. And now you look at that list. And out of that list, there's going to be maybe 10 or 15 that they're buying, that they're buying because these are good investors who think they're on sale, that actually are kind of in your wheelhouse in some kind of way. That'd be a great place to start. Yeah. So you know you're capable of understanding them because you already know that you probably use those products. You read their 10Ks, see if it still makes sense. Yep. See if, see if it, and that only takes a few minutes. And if you start to go into it and you just go, this is, I don't like it. And, and the, the more research you do and the more you learn how to do this kind of investing, this rule one investing, the better you get at quickly tossing out the 10 cases. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's, that's the practice. That's right the there. practice. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty soon you're not reading all that much. Pretty soon it becomes, some part of it becomes second nature. Yeah. And so you go along. And you go, I've seen this before, and that's, I'm not interested. Or I've seen this before, and I am interested. Right. All right. Then you take it to the next level. You finish the 10K. And if you're still interested, now you've, now you've put in half an hour in this thing. Okay, now what I do is I go take a look at what's the, the short seller's case. I want to I hear the bad news. Why are smart people bailing out of this thing? Because if they weren't, it wouldn't be on sale, and I probably wouldn't be interested in the first place. So some, there's some bad news out there about this company. Let's find out what it is next. 
and see if I can understand what's going on. Wait, you're blowing on. my mind here. This company that I found that I liked that I'm passionate about now is doing poorly in the market? Exactly. <laughs> it's sucking it because otherwise it wouldn't be on my short list of things to dig into because no, it would not be on sale. But I lost them already in my mind. Well, the good news is that virtually all companies, no matter how good they are, go on sale from time to time. Hmm. They all do. Ben Graham. But that's who, that's towards the end of our four, our list of four, right? That is true. That's true. Okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves okay. a little. Okay. All right. Well, I feel like I have a good sense of the capable to understand sort of maxim that we've it, gotten from Charlie. This, this idea of understanding stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the really key thing about it. Okay. Lay it on me. Knowing, What's the key thing? Knowing what you don't understand. That's the hardest thing in the world. That is a, that is, that is. Charlie said that that's the edge. The edge that they've got that's given them all the success, he's talking about he and Warren, isn't IQ. He said, this is not a game where a 160 IQ beats a 110 IQ. This is a game where knowing what you know and not stepping into the area that's past that, into that gray area where you sort of know, you kind of know, you think you can know, you might know. Hmm. He says, knowing clearly where the walls are, where the boundary is, what, what they call a circle of competence, he says, it's knowing the edge of the circle and staying away from it. Hmm. That's the key. Because out on that edge, that's where you make your mistakes. And every one of us, Charlie, Warren, me, Manesh, all these guys, we've all made the mistake of thinking we knew where that edge was and being wrong. And that's when you lose money. That's when you lose money. I mean, that's a terrifying prospect, not knowing where the edge is. Right. So, how do you know? How do you know? <laughs> is it, is it, I mean, I imagine this is something I wanted to talk to you about as well. Uh, maybe we can talk about it more another time, but intuition and the, the role of intuition and investing, um, which is such a numbers game and an information game, as we just discussed. And yet, I think there is some role for a little bit of. Everything reads right on this company, but I just don't feel like I should invest in it. Oh my gosh, you just nailed another really cool part of this whole thing. That is actually in, in this concept of understanding. And that is that there's some, there's, you have to pay attention to the tension. That's right. I think that's a good word for it. The tension, the gray area is a tension. Yeah. You've got and to you pay attention. you can feel that tension a little bit probably when you're getting there. Yeah. Of well, there's something just not quite right. I can't even describe it to anybody. You, you want to know what I do? What I create the opportunity for that tension to to be there by stepping into a company that I've done a pretty good level of research on, maybe a week or so. Like mm -hmm. it's gone through these stages and of of reading, and I've really kind of gotten into it and really started digging into it. Now I'm in the library reading books about this industry and things like that. When I, when I start to feel like I've got a kind of a ballpark handle on why did Warren Buffett buy this company or why did Charlie step into this copper company, mm -hmm. right? And why are they feeling like this is a really good price, that this is on sale, that the value of the business is much higher than the current price? Then when I've got a feeling for that now, I'm going to buy some of it. I'm not done with my work. I'm not clear that I'm really away from the walls of the canyon here. You're going to put a little skin in the game. Exactly. I'm going to get skin in the game. And then 
that thing that goes on that lets you that that's your kind of intuition that's that's churning all this information and trying to get with your whole experience of your life and the whole thing all of that which is sort of subconscious that's just working away now i've got my t my attention on this company in a really solid way and i don't want to make a mistake so now that tension rises and what that tension is doing is telling me dude you do not know enough yet to be putting real money into this business what the hell's wrong with you get in there and dig get to the library get into this stop piddle paddling around and really read hard and focus on this thing because here's the thing investing is endlessly distracting right i could look at 8000 different companies any given day and there's always another one that looks like, oh, look at who's buying that one. And that, maybe that's on sale. And it's so easy to drag yourself right past finishing the research and move on to something else and leave yourself with that, I almost know, hmm. but I don't really. And we've found, you know, I've found that if I make a serious investment and, you know, that we, we go in about 10% of our portfolio on any one company. So it's like serious, right? You get in 10% on any one company and that thing starts to go down, I guarantee you, you'll find out in that minute whether you understand it or not. Because if you do understand it, you will not be afraid? If I do understand it, I'll be ecstatic. <laughs> I'll be excited. I'm going to get to buy more of this thing. Because you're a hundred, are you ever a hundred percent sure about companies? Wow. Um, that's that is a. I, I want to be. I want to say yes so bad to that. Yes. If you said yes, I wouldn't believe you. I know because I'm, I'm having trouble believing me. There's always that possibility you didn't know something, you know. Right, like the CEO is secretly crazy and on meds and is about to put the whole thing into a giant spiral. Yeah. Like who knows? Who knows? I mean, there's always that possibility, right? But I'll tell you, we go awful deep in, a, in, our, in, our, in our digging and deep enough that I have put your college fund into these investments. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you did get to go to a good college. I graduated from college. <laughs> <laughs> so my level of, of, of uh, comfort with this company is really high. And and you and I get very committed, but having said that, we have never been one hundred percent in one well, thing. And it, does it come back to what you said earlier, which is that at some point you're going to want to sell this company, and if you're a hundred percent, or maybe you're a hundred percent sure, and then the story changes, yeah. and that's why you sell it. Yeah. But I also think a little bit, maybe you're 99% sure and you're always just looking and making sure you're staying on top of it and just saying, what's that 1% that might show up tomorrow? Is there a sense of that? You know, I would, I'm just trying to think about this 100% thing. It's like this. If you, I feel like I'm 100% sure that in 10 years, this business will be worth more than it's worth today. Uh -huh. Now, am I 100% sure I got it at 50% off its intrinsic value, that I'm going to double my money every three years? that you know this thing will be vastly more valuable in 10 years no i don't think i can ever sort of get to that level of certainty but i get to the level of certainty where i'm certain i'm going to make money like now 
Is it 100%? I mean, I'd like to say that, but I'm, I'm certain I'm going to wake up in the morning and, and go to work. But it might not happen. It might not happen. Right. Yeah, we all live so, with that. Yeah, it's just uncertainty. Let's let's be real that it exists like that. Mm -hmm. And we get as close to that as we can and then we make our judgment. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, yeah. I think we should continue this on the next topic. I, I think we're going to have to we're going to have to probably bring more about understanding into this next idea which is going to be that this company has intrinsic structure that makes it a durable company hmm. and allows it to compete against uh, other companies and maintain its margins. It's successful, whether there's inflation or deflation. This is where we got to go next time and bring that understanding into that. I think there's so much more to say about understanding because that's the basis of the other three. Well, let's start off with that then next time. Let's dive into that a little more because I do want to talk about, you know, we've talked about what your passions are and all that. Next time, let's talk about what your values are. Oh, because that's maybe number one here is a two-parter on the podcast. Yeah, I think we're going to have to dive into values. <laughs> I really, I really think that's hugely critical. So, for, guns for, and motorcycles are important to discuss. Is <laughs> we got to get there. Until somehow. next time. Until next time. This is fun. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like us, please subscribe and leave a review for us on iTunes. You can get our notes and links for this podcast and post comments about this show and get more information about how to invest on your own by going to ruleonepodcast.com. Everything we've discussed in this podcast is either Danielle's opinion or my opinion and is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.